welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games you can take with you. Uh, this is episode 44. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke, and we're going to be talking to uh, Patrick Rodriguez, the uh, the head, head, I guess, of Patchwork Games. Uh, the head and only person. <laughs> well, then, yeah, absolutely, you're the head, the creator, the founder, the, the guy who does it all, uh, Patrick Rodriguez, and we're going to talk about his 8-bitty game series. Uh, so, Patrick, thanks for coming on. And uh, and first, I just kind of want to get some some background for uh, for you, just for me and the listeners to kind of know, uh, you know, why why the Game Boy? Like, what'd you uh, like? We'll we'll talk more about the eight bitty game series coming up. But basically, you're you're making eight uh, eight games and developing them specifically for the original Game Boy, correct? Correct. So what 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 led you to that? Like what what was your uh, what what'd you grow up playing? I grew, I'm assuming you you grew up playing a Game Boy. Yep, actually. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, my first video game console was actually a Game Boy Color, um, and my first game I believe was Quest for Camelot, okay. uh, which I don't remember much of. I remember kind of the graphics, and I remember the Game Boy Color itself being really cool because. Uh, you know, all my friends and other family members had had, you know, other video game consoles, and so the Game Boy Color was my first one, and I was so excited because it was it was new, and it was in color, and you can take it around everywhere. Um, Which color system but, did you have? <clears throat> uh, it was the Atomic Purple okay. one. Okay, nice. Very cool. Yeah. And I had one of those, um, you know, those uh, corkscrew lights that you plug into the, uh, oh, yeah, the, the side port. Oh, yeah, the worm lights? Yeah, the dark. Yeah, um, worm lights, shark lights. They had oh god, there were so many stupid Game Boy peripherals like that. <laughs> yeah, and I think I had all of them at one point. Yeah, <laughs> like the magnifier speaker thingies. Oh yeah, I definitely those. had that. Like, oh, I I just remember that ad where it's it's just this kid who's got too many games and they're just like coming out of his hands, and then like the, <laughs> the second side by side image is of this kid. He's got like his little camera looking bag that was specifically made for the Game Boy. And then his um, Game Boy has like that magnifying glass with the lights on it yeah. thing that had the fold out speakers and like the extra buttons and crap on it. Oh god, those are so terrible and I Which, ate that shit. <laughs> they no longer make the Game Boy portable and also take up maybe ten double batteries altogether. Exactly, for sure. God. Yeah, but oh. uh after that, um I believe Pokemon, when Pokemon first came out, that was probably my my first like uh like real game experience sure that um as as i was playing it i'm kind of thinking like this is like really advanced this is a whole like game world um more than just you know those little arcade arcade style games that you know you play and then try and beat your score or um you know the terrible licensed games like the quest for camelot game right um <laughs> and when you're when you say pokemon are you talking about the originals or or yellow or gold and silver uh, the first one I had, I believe, was Blue. Okay. And uh, Squirtle was my first starter. Um, well done. Like you've already yeah. you've already passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, playing like playing Pokemon um, is what really got me like wanting to actually pursue like making games in the future. Um, just thinking like how complex they are and all the all the kind of math involved that I didn't understand, but I thought it was really cool. Um, because you have a lot of like your stats and numbers and things and in your Pokemon games that I was like really intrigued on and wanted to learn like how all that worked. Um, 
and you're, yeah, so like, and you're doing that now. Like you're you're out there developing games. Like how did you go from from being this kid playing Pokemon to now you know actually making developing games for for the original Game Boy? <laughs> um, well, I uh, going like going through school. I wanted to um, like I've always wanted to make games, and so when I was applying to colleges, I wanted to. Uh, study computer science and do programming second because i thought that's what you know making games was um so i went to mit uh here in boston and um while i was there i in my second year i found out that they actually have a game lab um where you can uh, study video games and game design and do games research um so for since my sophomore year through graduation um I was working at the game lab studying video games and kind of getting more into game design rather than uh, just game development and programming. Um, and so about last year, uh, I wanted to pursue chiptunes, actually, is what got me into Game Boy specifically, um, that I bought an old uh, Game Boy on eBay and got some parts and, you know, tore it apart, installed a backlight, installed, um, you know, some audio out ports and uh, bought uh, a flash cartridge with LSDJ, which is a, a program for making music. And I realized that I wasn't a good composer. <laughs> I, couldn't actually, I couldn't actually make any music with it, uh, even though, you know, I tore it apart and did all the soldering and stuff. Um, so I stumbled, upon, I stumbled across the Game Boy development kit which is kind of a, an open source um, uh, library for making um, Game Boy games. And it's, you know, back from the year 2000, so it's really old and uh, has a lot of idiosyncrasies. But that's when I, I, I decided, like, I have this Game Boy and I have this flash cartridge and I can put anything I want on it. I'm terrible at making music, but here's this Game Boy development kit and I know how to do programming and I've studied game design, so I might as well, you know, try and do some experiments with it and see what I can make. And so that's how the 8-Bit Games project started. Awesome. Like, are these your, are these the first games? Well, I, I assume they're not the absolute first games that you, that you made, but are these, like, the first that are kind of out there, at least under this Patchwork Games label that you've made? Um, yes, technically. They aren't <laughs> the first that I've worked on, but they're the first that I released. Um, okay. So because I uh, studied game design, I actually also do um, board and card games, like physical games. So I am actually working on a card game as well, and that one is also Patrick Games, and that one's almost done but not actually released. Um, but the 8 Games Project are the first games uh, that, I'm, that I've made and kind of released myself. Uh, but while I was at uh, the game lab at MIT, I also uh, worked on a couple games in um, larger development teams that I also released uh, as the... At, I was the lead designer on those projects, um, but it was kind of a bigger team. Sure. Well, so I, I first learned about you and, and the 8-Bitty Games Project from this uh, motherboard article that, that came out uh, a few months ago, and, oh. and I'll make sure to put that in the, uh, in the show notes for people who want to go and read that. It was, a, it was a pretty interesting article, but it seemed like one of the reasons you chose uh, to develop games for Game Boy was that it was so limiting and that you'd kind of have to work within this, this, um, smaller, uh, subset of, of design abilities. So can you, can you talk more about like the, the challenges that it takes to develop for something like the Game Boy? Like just in the way of, 
of designing for something that is so limited, plus in the way that you're using this development kit that, according to the Motherboard article from you, it's it's kind of outdated and you kind of have to uh, to play with it a little bit to make it work the way you want. Right. Um, so I guess like one of my favorite things about game design uh, in particular is kind of just uh, game systems and learning how, you know, rules work and how they intertwine and all of that uh, and how, you know, game mechanics, um, how game mechanics come together to create kind of more complex systems. And what I really like about uh, the Game Boy is that a lot of the really good games kind of are very streamlined in that aspect where you have uh, you know, game mechanics that are really simple game, because the games themselves have to be simple to to fit on the cartridges, uh, and so you kind of get like really beautiful uh, kind of game designs, game comps, game concepts, and things like that. Um, and I kind of see it as a kind of like a big puzzle where you kind of think, I want to make a game for the Game Boy that does this. So then, how do I break that down into what the Game Boy is capable of? How can I streamline? Uh, the graphics streamline how all of the rules work so that it can actually you know, be um, responsive and and give the player a, a good experience um, within those constraints. Okay, and and so this has led to this eight bitty games project with which is uh, eight di- eight different games that can be played on played through the original Game Boy. Uh, I think in the motherboard article you had four finished. Uh, at at this time you have six finished, correct? Yep, that's correct. And it and it is I, going to be a, a group of eight. So just kind of tell me about some of those games and and how they came about. Sure. Um, well, because uh, mostly the project started when I was making my first game, which was Yarnball, and I thought of the just the name Eight Bitty Games, and I really liked the pun. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and so from there, that kind of like started the whole thing where I thought to myself, um, I made one and I made yarn ball in about a month. Um, so that was a, a pretty, pretty short, uh, kind of dev cycle. Um, and so I thought, you know, I, the game, I really like how the game turned out and it only took about a month. Maybe I can do like a longer project. Um, and so it was kind of a, a self constrained, like, t- uh, design experiment for myself to see, if I'm going to make eight games for the Game Boy, how can I make them all different and interesting and unique uh, while also, um, you know, being having all the limitations that the Game Boy has? Like, how can I make eight different games for that? And so I kind of uh, thought of just, like, broad genre categories and thought how I can make a game in, in different genres. Um, so Yarn Ball, which was the first one, was actually... Um, it started as a uh, Global Game Jam game. Um, Global Game Jam is a uh, an event that happens every year, uh, usually around the end of January, where um, game developers you know get together at certain locations, and then they're given a theme, and then you have to create a game on that theme uh, over the weekend. And usually, all Game Jam games you know are very short, uh, usually incomplete, but it's a, it's kind of like a good networking experience and a good um uh game development experience to see like how far you can get in a weekend and uh meeting lots of new people and kind of expanding your uh game dev network 
Sure. And a lot of those like start as are, are like jumping off points for people to continue on with those ideas. Like uh, one that I can remember is like Super Hot was a game that came yeah. out of a game jam. And then the developers are just like, OK, this is actually a pretty cool idea. Let's keep building on this until it's a full game. And right. so, so that kind um, of is I, something that happened with Yarnball. Yeah. And actually, I didn't. I uh, wasn't on the team that worked on Yarnball. It was actually a friend of mine. But it was, um, I want to say maybe three years ago, uh, it was the, the theme for the Global Game Jam was um, not a word, but the audio clip of a heartbeat. Like, that was the theme. Okay, yeah. And I believe... I believe that's the same game jam that uh, Surgeon Simulator came out of. Yeah, I know. I know that I've played a couple games that came out of that game jam. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, but uh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I was I was on a team working on um, some different game, and uh, a friend of mine was working on this other team, and they had you know this very short kind of proof of concept where they were take, they were taking it very abstractly and thinking of um, this yarn ball, like a ball of yarn in a cave, trying to, like, roll its way out. And um, as you unroll, you're leaving behind a trail of yarn, and so that's kind of your lifeline. And so when you run out of yarn, you know, you die, like, because you don't have anything more to roll out. Um, So it's kind of a more abstract, like, version, or a more abstract take on the theme. And so what they ended up with was just, like, one one very small level uh, where you can roll around and reach an exit, and that's about it. And they made it in, a, in processing, um, which is a, a programming language usually um, that does a lot of uh, image, image-based stuff. Um, and so I told them, uh, when I was trying to think of what game I could make for the Game Boy, I, re- I thought of um, that game Yarn Ball, and... I really liked the concept. Um, I thought it was really adorable, and I liked kind of the puzzly aspect of it. Um, and I thought that it's the simple nature of it could lend itself well to Game Boy, especially being that it's you know a tile-based game, which is a lot of what uh, the Game Boy games are based on. So I went to my friend and I asked her like, would it uh, would it be okay if I if I took this game concept and you know made it into a, a fuller game with uh, more levels and mechanics and things? She was like, yeah, go for it um, because they. Uh, her team wasn't planning on doing anything with it, which is usually what happens with a lot of um, game jam games that kind of become proof of concepts and then are abandoned. Sure. Um, so I took that, uh, I took that concept and then developed that into a fuller game. Nice. I mean, I mean, it's a really cool idea for a game, and and it's something that we're even seeing. Um, there's that indie game Unravel that's that's coming out relatively soon that kind of has that same idea it's it's a completely different game in that it's almost like a side scroller but uh-huh. it, it has that puzzle aspect of you know you only are made up of so much yarn and you need to make sure that you are able to get through the entire level without losing all of it uh, okay so it's really neat uh yeah uh, like that that uh, that unravel was shown at at e3 and and uh like is <laughs> looks looks really nice in the way that they are are trying to kind of make it look almost like a, it's very it's very realistic, and you're just like this little yarn looking cat that uh, oh. that moves across the screen, but like a Kirby's Epic Yarn type thing. Yeah, a little bit. Like it's it's got it's got some elements that remind me of that for sure. Okay. Uh, so Yarn Ball's your first game, and uh, so at this point, did you have the the name for eight bitty games and thought, oh, okay, well, 
I guess I got to make seven more of these to make the joke work. <laughs> uh, yeah, more or less. Um, <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> uh, I really like the, I, re- I just really like the name of 8 games, and I wanted to kind of make a series of a bunch of different games, and so after I finished Yarn Ball, um, then I kind of thought, well, I have this puzzle game, what else can I make? Um, and so the other games in the in the series that I have, um, I have Orb Catcher, which was the second one, and that one actually was a uh, a remake of the actual very first video game I ever made when I was in high school. Um, it was like a, a simple flat game where you are a ball kind of bouncing around this arena trying to catch uh, little orbs um, as quick as you can. Um, so I remade that one for the Game Boy, and that was a kind of like a little arcade style, um, arcade style game. And then um, the third one, just Tiny Dancer, um, which is a rhythm game, and that one uh, was really interesting, uh, mostly because with each game I want them to be really different. While at the same time, I'm kind of teaching myself new things because um, I'm programming this all in C, which is a language that I wasn't really familiar with. And I'm kind of learning this new hardware, which I don't really know about. Um, and so everything I'm kind of just like learning as I go. Um, and so with uh, Tiny Dancer, that was kind of an experiment with timing and, and rhythm because uh, everything needed to kind of be really precise in order for you to actually get the to get the, the gameplay running nicely. Um, and then the fourth one is Dodgeball, uh, which was a experiment for me to... Uh, learn how to do AI. Um, so it has a, you play against a computer player, and um, I think the computer player is uh, difficult enough to present a strong challenge, but not unbeatable. And after you kind of figure out its pattern, you can beat the game pretty easily without getting hit. Um, and then the other two, uh, there's uh, Blarble 1290, which is a interactive fiction game that uses the Game Boy printer. And I believe it is the first and only interactive fiction game to use the Game Boy Printer. <laughs> uh, the Game Boy Printer being a very, um, what's even the word? Like no one, n- no games really ever used it. And so it was kind of forgotten about. Right. But it was I, really I only the Game Boy Camera. I, I remember seeing those commercials for the Game Boy Camera and then the printer would always be along with it of just, hey, you can yeah. print out stickers of whatever you take photos of and then then their stickers great but uh yeah i i I never really saw anything take advantage of it Uh, i remember like uh i think pokemon yellow you could print out your pokedex or like pikachu's faces or there there were a couple things but it was very it was very minimal like this the the blarble 1290 is the one that i i find the most fascinating just in that somebody would would care enough about a Game Boy printer. I'm I'm literally looking at my Game Boy printer right now. It looks very sad um, because they all do. Were you Were you actually able to play Blarble 1290? Uh, I I haven't I haven't yet. Uh, I need to download it. Uh, I need to uh, get some get some get it up and running for for uh, for my flash cart and to be able to to play okay. some of these games on the hardware. Uh, yeah, because that's the one. Um, Marvel 1290 is the one that I actually have not been able to get any um, outside testers to successfully play it. I've only been able to demo it on my own personal hardware. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it's... Because uh, I had some people... Um, I reached out on Twitter to see if anyone actually had a Game Boy printer 
and a flash cartridge so that they could test out the game. And I got a couple of respond uh, a couple of responses, and uh, both of them, or the two that I got that actually tried to play it, actually said that they couldn't get the game to work. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that's a problem with the game or a problem with their printer, but I can get it to work on my printer. Um, and so so far, the only people who have played it are people that I've personally showed it to on my own hardware. Sure. Well, yeah, I, I will. I will try, and I will get back to you. But I can imagine this, the very tiny Venn diagram of people who have both a Game Boy printer and the hardware flashcard stuff available to to be able to run the games. <laughs> yeah, it was a long shot, <laughs> but it's it's fascinating. And I know in the in the motherboard article, you talked about uh, wanting to work with some of the other peripherals, like the link cable and and. Uh, I mean, hell, what, whatever else the, the Game Boy is, is capable of. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, you, you oh, sorry, you have a sixth game that you should talk about, and then I can oh. I can grill you about your possible seventh and eighth games. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, the last one, um, which actually, that one is really fascinating. And uh, so, uh, Beep Bop Boombox, which is a music toy, kind of a Tone Matrix style. Um, you put uh, notes on a grid, and then a music bar just repeats back and just repeats over and over and plays what you what you've made um so you can make little tunes and you can open up uh, the sound settings and play around with how the sounds work um so it's a very simple kind of little music toy that one i was actually working on during the time that i had finished blarble 1290 um so i finished blarble 1290 and then i re- to twitter to see if anyone contested so during that uh that time between I finished Marvel 1290 and releasing it, um, I made Bebop Boombox in about three days. Um, so that was definitely the quickest game. Um, and that one uh, was actually very well received by the chiptune community. Um, I found out that uh, it had been shared on like a Facebook group uh, with chiptune artists, and they had you know played it and thought it was really fun and kind of wanted to see it um, become expanded into like a, a full kind of like music uh, tool, um, much like uh, how LSDJ is kind of a, a custom ROM that can make music. Um, so I was very you know excited to hear about that. Yeah, that's really cool. So, okay, so you've got, you've got six now. You've, you've got two more to go <laughs> um, to, to, make the, to make this joke work, which is it's a great joke. It's worth finishing. Um, like, I... I don't want to like have you spill the beans or anything, but are there are there concepts or other things that you're you're thinking of genres, uh, other Hello. peripherals that you want to work with, anything like that? Um, so with the last two games, I kind of have been tossing a few ideas around of what I want to do, but I'm not. I haven't pinned down exactly what yet. Um, I do know that I I kind of want one of them to be multiplayer, whether it be uh, with the link cable or. Um, one idea I was messing around with was kind of having a um, a competitive slash cooperative uh, single screen multiplayer game where you would turn the Game Boy sideways and one player would control with the D pad and one player with A and B. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of picking around a few game design concepts that would kind of use that idea, but haven't pinned down anything yet. Um, and one of the if I, if I could one genre that. I would want to explore was horror, um, which I know that there aren't, as far as I know, there are actually like zero true horror games on the Game Boy. Like there are 
horror-themed platformers and kind of stuff like that, but no, like, um, you know, atmospheric uh, horror games, especially because I think a lot of those have to do, you have to kind of be in a third or first-person mode, which the Game Boy can't really do. Sure. I mean, the closest I can think of is maybe, like, Super Mario Land 2, where they have, like, those that Halloween zone. Yeah. Like, that has that has some somewhat creepy music, but, but yeah, like there's... There's not much, for sure. Yeah, so that's kind of something that I would really, really love to kind of explore, because I really love uh, horror games and kind of like that horror atmosphere in games. Um, So I'm I'm kind of trying to think, like, is there something text-based I can do or uh, maybe like a very simple RPG-style kind of horror game um, that that's something I would really love to work on, even if it's not for 8-bit games, if it's like in the future. Um, something like a horror game for the game boy i think it's something that i would really like to do it's something i would really like to see because i don't i don't know how (laughs) just thinking myself right now it's like i don't know how somebody pulls off a horror game on the game boy especially because horror games you feel like you need to be playing in the dark and if you're playing on a game boy at least an original (laughs) non-modded one that's going to be a little difficult for you (laughs) yeah um and i think i kind of like with barbell 1290 i feel like i could have gone that route um, cause Marble 1290 has, uh, multiple branching paths kind of in the, in the, in the, in the narrative. Um, and there are some parts in one of the branches that I feel like kind of might go towards the horror route. And I think that something like that, um, where you're having text like slowly printed out that you can maybe create something kind of horror like, um, in that way, but it's not a route that I ended up going with for that game. Sure. Uh, but yes, yeah. So messing around with different horror concepts for the Game Boy. Definitely, I, I'm thinking back to to when you were talking about the multiplayer game too, especially the one where you could have two people play on the same Game Boy. Are you uh, very familiar with uh, much from the the Game and Watch uh, from Nintendo or any of the Game and Watch things that they made before the Game Boy? Um, I used to have uh, I think like two like Game and Watch handhelds. Okay. Um. And I, I used to have the uh, the Game and Watch collections on the Game Boy like a long time ago. Sure. Um, so I'm familiar with kind of like those those game concepts, um, and definitely like those simple kind of games like that are something that I was thinking of uh, in my design process. And those games, along with um, like the mini games from Mario Party, mm-hmm. uh, definitely a lot of like inspiration from there. Uh, but then trying to figure out like how can I expand this into you know an actual like full a uh, full game that might, you know, take, you know, 10 minutes to play as opposed to 30 seconds. For sure. Yeah. Like those game and watch games get, get old real quickly. But, uh, yeah. I just, I, I just finished reading a book about all the, the game and watch games that Nintendo put out. And, and I know there are some of them that use, uh, multiplayer on a single device in, in kind of interesting ways. So there might be, there might be something cool that you could pull from with that. But, uh, yeah, definitely doing research into there. For sure. Um, so, you also have another two, uh, I guess I wouldn't call them games because they aren't part of your 8-Bitty Games project, but you do have two kind of side projects uh, that you also show, and that's the uh, GB SFX uh, or sound effects generator and then uh, Happy Hedgehog. you want to talk a little bit about those? Sure. Um, so the, the first one of those two is Happy Hedgehog, <clears throat> uh, which was my entry for... Um, Porpentine's Pet Jam on itch.io. 
<clears throat> so that was a a week or two week game jam where you try and make a you know Tamagotchi style kind of pet game. Um, and I really really love hedgehogs. <laughs> and uh, I used to have a hedgehog when I was in middle school, and it was the cutest thing. Um, so I kind of wanted to uh, make make a hedgehog pet game. I thought that would be more interesting than you know generic uh, Tamagotchi type abstract creature. Um, and so that one was also a experiment with um, saving because uh, all the eight bitty games, uh, none of them implement saving. They're all they're all meant to be kind of really short games that you play kind of all in one go and then you know come back to. But there's nothing really to save in between. Um, but with Happy Hedgehog, I wanted to look into how I would actually do that. And so, in Happy Hedgehog, you uh, start off by creating a hedgehog pet and you can give it a name and that's saved. And then it becomes a little Tamagotchi game where you have uh, you have some money and you can um, you know buy food and toys. And you can play mini games uh, to uh, get more money and unlock new things. Um, one of the mini games is basically just Pong, but the ball is a hedgehog instead. Um, and uh, the other, the other, uh, that's about all I have. So the, the other mini games and things aren't um, implemented yet. Um, but that's something I want to kind of keep continuing, like on the side. Um, but because that one also was like a a game jam game. I'm not really too worried about it. Um, but you know, it's fun to play for a few minutes. And so when you turn it off and then come back to the game, um, the amount of money you have, everything you've unlocked and your hedgehog's name will still, uh, will still be there. Uh, that one also uses, um, an internal timer. So like the timer doesn't run when you're away, but while you're playing the game, it'll save, you know, the age of your hedgehog, and, you know, as time goes down, it'll get hungrier. Oh, gotcha. Um, so you gotta keep feed it, feeding it, otherwise it'll die, and that's really sad. Nice. Um, well, I'm not nice that it would die, but nice that that, <laughs> that feature is implemented in there. You don't yeah. you don't think it's a little blasphemous to put a hedgehog on a Game Boy game? Like a little little call to, to Sonic, maybe? A little stab <laughs> at Nintendo? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did think of that. Actually, um, I did see that there was someone also doing the uh, pet jam that was making an actual, like, you have a pet Sonic hedgehog. Um, <laughs> not okay. not for the Game Boy, but sure. I saw some of their art, and that one also looked really cute. Um, I don't know if they finished it, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I definitely went for the realistic hedgehog approach as opposed to cartoon hedgehog. Nice. Very good. Um, so, I, I mean, we've talked about this Motherboard article a little bit over, over the podcast. Can, how did that exactly come about like who who's out there going around looking for people still developing for the original game boy um well the writer uh of the article is actually uh, a friend of mine um carly and she uh i'm not entirely sure what her um like what she knows about or knows about uh Game Boy development, but she came to me and said that she was she wanted to write an article about uh, Game Boy Homebrew, um, and I think I was probably the only person that she knew that was doing that. <laughs> and it sounded but, like from the uh, article, you're the only person you know who knows how to do that. Like it, 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 one of the things I remember reading was just that it was that, that you there's not much of a community out there. So I, do you? Have you heard more from a community uh, since that article has gotten posted, or do you know other people? Because one of the things you were mentioning was, you know, you kind of have to solve these problems yourself because there's not 
people out there that can kind of help you because no one else is really out there doing this, right? Yeah. Uh, so very little. What I so what I've seen. I've been doing a lot of um, kind of research and searching and looking for people who are also making Game Boy homebrew games because I want to actually learn more about it and I want to be able to make you know more complex games and learn more about the hardware and all of that. Um, but so far, what I found is that a lot of the Game Boy homebrew scene happened in the early 2000s and so all of the code examples and all of the uh, games that i see are from the early 2000s and so either people aren't working on stuff anymore um or the ones that still are that i found are actually programming in assembly um so like very low level machine code that is way above my head and i have no interest in learning (laughs) um so you know uh there are other Game Boy homebrew uh, developers out there, but they're not using the same tools that I am, which is why it's also hard to kind of connect with them because they don't, uh, if they're programming an assembly, they don't know anything about the Game Boy development kit, so I can't ask questions about that. Gotcha. Um, because the, the approaches you take to making games for both uh, are extremely different. Um, I have met a few people who are also doing... Uh, Game Boy development kit programming, but they're either um, at the they're like at the same level of creating games as I am. Like they're but they're still you know pretty new to using the Game Boy development kit, so uh, we're kind of like learning together, I guess. Okay. Um, still kind of new to it, but uh, so I'm still like on the lookout for other for, for other people. But I have found a few, um, but mostly people who are doing the the lo- lower level stuff. Sure. So you you have the, the Abity Games project. You're you're pretty close to being done. You got two more to go, and then then what do you think you'll do? Like, did do you want to <laughs> still keep developing for Game Boy? That you've gotten these skills. Um, I, I can't. I I have no idea how these skills might be able to transfer. Like, if you wanted to try, I don't know, like Game Boy Color, or Game Boy Advance emulation kind of stuff. Like, if mm-hmm. is that even something you're interested in, or was this really just this grand experiment to? help your design skills and learn a little bit more about game development so you can take that to, I don't know, PC games or, or more modern uh, hardware? Um, well, I think this is more kind of a, a, a project just to learn, like more, more of a design experiment. And when I, when I finish the last one, I think there's still a lot more that I want to explore uh, with Game Boy development. Um, so I'll probably switch from, you know, doing... The, the small scope eight bitty games into doing um, more kind of complex advanced uh, Game Boy games, you know, that might feature saving and a lot more um, use a lot more resources and things like that. Um, as far as moving towards more modern consoles, um, I have heard a lot of people say that I should try Game Boy Advance um, because Game Boy Advance. And I think also like Super Nintendo are programmed in C++, which is an actual, you know, modern language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would make that a lot easier. But to be honest, I kind of, I've kind of fallen in love with the Game Boy. And I, I still really like, you know, the limited, um, having the limitations as part of the, uh, a design feature. Um, 
you're giving me this feeling of like a, a Latin student who, you know, it's like, oh, I know this, I know this language is dead and no one ever uses it and no one cares, but it's, it's cool to me, damn it. <laughs> I actually was a Latin student. Oh, oh, that's so perfect. Well, well, now it all makes sense. Now it's all coming together. That's kind of exactly how I feel, actually. I have a, um, I actually have a, a Latin poem tattooed on my forearm. Oh, that's fantastic. But... <laughs> But yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel about the Game Boy. That um, all of these kind of idiosyncrasies and limitations, I think, are really fascinating. Um, and that uh, one of the things that I really liked about the Game Boy is that the limitations um, are actually can actually help you in your designs because when you only have a four color palette, you know, white, black, light gray, and dark gray, and when all of your sprites are you know eight by eight pixels. Um, it takes away a lot of the expectation and overhead for trying to make art. Um, for sure, yeah. Because I am not an artist, so having that kind of limited, you know, limited pixels, limited palette, I can make something a little more abstract and still make it look nice, whereas if I were doing something for the Super Nintendo or the Game Boy Advance where the graphics are more, uh, where the graphics are more advanced, it would kind of put more pressure on me to make better art. Sure. I, yeah, I, I get that. I get that completely. Like the uh, not to talk about myself too much, but uh, like that's that's one of the things I like about doing this show, where I know that I'm limited to handheld games. Uh, I'm not out there going to be talking about Metal Gear Solid Five or something like that, or, or something big that's about to come out. I mean, I'll be playing those games for sure, but it's nice to have a, a more limited limited scope, and then uh, you know, kind of to that same uh, Latin point. It's like, yeah, I know like, not, not many people are going to go out there and, and play the games I necessarily talk about when I, when I talk about, like, oh, hey, guys, remember Kirby's Dream Land 2? It was awesome. You should all go out and play it. And people either go, oh, yeah, I remember playing that game. I don't need to play it again. Or they'll go, oh, God, that's for the original Game Boy. I'm not going to go back and play that. But oh. there's, it, it's sad because those, that's an amazing game. It, it's my favorite Kirby game ever. Even though there are probably better Kirby games out there, that's just the one I find to be the absolute best uh and and so it's cool to be able to uh talk about these games and give them kind of their due uh so when i when i read that motherboard article and and heard about the the project that you're doing it sounded really interesting and fascinating to me to talk to somebody who's got the same appreciation for for these old uh you know original game boy pea green uh-huh. graphics style things yeah uh, so that, I, that's awesome I actually, um, so now that I have all these old Game Boys, I have about, um, I have three of the original Game Boys that are all modded out that I use to, to demo my games when I go to, uh, game shows and things. And then I have a Game Boy Color and a Game Boy Pocket. And I'm like, now that I have all these old Game Boys, maybe I want to have a game collection. So I've, um, like started going to, you know, local retro game stores and looking on eBay to try and find like a bunch of old Game Boy games just so I can play them again and see, you know, which ones have aged well and what actually was the design philosophy of a lot of the games uh, from that era. And um, Kirby's Dream Land 2 is actually one of the ones that I just picked up, like, last weekend. Awesome. And I, I agree that it is really good. <laughs> but I, ne- I never grew up playing any Kirby games, um, so this is kind of, like, my first uh, glimpse into what Kirby's all about. Well, you're you're starting the show with a showstopper because like, <laughs> as soon as you play any of the other ones, you'll go, man, this this isn't nearly as good. <laughs> well, I did play um, Kirby's Dreamland One, 
so I have that one, and I played that one. Then I got Kirby's Dream Land 2, and that one I really like. Um, actually, uh, when I was growing up, I did actually have Kirby 64, and I remember really liking that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Crystal Shards is a is a cool game that, that a lot of people don't like, but I like. Yeah, <laughs> so and then <laughs> really, really recently, I played uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, which I also really like. Definitely. Yeah, um, Kirby games are just are just out there to have fun, man. They're, yeah, they're they, they always you never feel bad playing a Kirby game. Definitely. Uh, well, what are what are some other games like talking about Kirby's Epic Yarn? What are some other games you're just currently playing? And, and they don't have to be handheld games. I mean, if if they are great, but uh, <laughs> if you're if there's anything out there that you're playing or, or interested in playing, uh, what, what do you got going on? Um, well, in ter- in terms of the uh, the old retro games that I've been collecting, I recently got Pokemon Pinball. Nice. Um, which I never had myself, but I was always really jealous of my cousin who had it. Um, so finally being able to have it and play it myself is extremely satisfying, and that one also is kind of a masterpiece. Um, I downloaded the, the ROM just to see, because I was curious on how they actually made the game. Um, so like looking at, looking at old ROMs um, is really useful for Game Boy development, because you can open up the... Um, you can open up like a memory viewer and see like what tiles are loaded at a specific time. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, and Pokemon Pinball is a really great example because you can just see like how fast they're switching out tiles and what tile sets are being switched out at what time. And it's really kind of beautiful just to see like just look at the memory viewer and just watch things being shifted in and out in real time. That's fantastic. So that's that's been a really big help actually. And now I'm now I'm just disappointed that I I. I do not know programming language. I will probably never know programming <laughs> language of any kind. But but just to be able to get into those games with with that much more of an appreciation for how they're built and and what they actually do that sounds amazing. Yeah, and um, as far as modern games go, I think the last uh, the last like AAA game that I that I got was um, City Skylines. Okay. Um, and that one, because I really love simulation, because simulation games are all about rules and abstraction, which is, like, my favorite thing about game design. Um, and I've never played SimCity or anything, um, so I had nothing to compare it to, and I really, really love City Skylines. But one of the things um, that I did with that is that City Skylines has a very active uh, modding community, because mm-hmm. it's made, like, the game is made in Unity, which is mind-blowing in and of itself, Um but it means that you can easily just write Unity scripts and import your own assets and stuff like that, which makes it really easy to, to put in new things. And so one of the things that I wanted to do um, <clears throat> is that uh, I wanted to put in a specific restaurant into my city, Skyline City. Okay. Um, so I, I live in Boston right now, but I'm originally from San Antonio. And uh, I wanted to... Um, make a uh whataburger restaurant nice <laughs> which is you know texas's famous uh burger chain um that any texan will defend to the death and is my favorite place in the world it's mine um, it's mine too i've i've only had it once i had it in oklahoma uh but I, i'm in missouri so we don't get any sweet burger chains <laughs> at all I, we get five guys i think people say they like five guys i've never had five guys yeah. but uh like all i hear is people from the west coast talking about in and out uh, I don't know what the hell people from the East Coast talk about uh, in terms of burgers, but like mine is always Whataburger. Like that was yeah. that was an amazing experience. <laughs> I want to go back there. Uh, I've had an In-N-Out burger. It was disappointing. 
and I don't care who I piss off by saying that. Yep. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, so what I did was I, I downloaded um, Blender and made a Whataburger restaurant. I, I basically, I taught myself how to do 3D modeling specifically so I could make a Whataburger and, and put it in City Skylines. That's admirable. Uh, like that's that's the kind of stuff that's that's why people learn so they can do things like that. Yeah. So if you go <laughs> onto the um you can you can go into the what is the Steam workshop for City Skylines and search for Whataburger and you'll see my building there. But then uh the other thing that I did was after I did that, I decided I wanted to make an upgrade because the buildings in City Skylines can upgrade. So I made another Whataburger restaurant, um Based on an actual building, the I want to say it is the original, or one of the very first Whataburgers um, in Corpus Christi, Texas, called Whataburger by the Bay, which is a uh, a two story, very beautiful building, uh, giant Whataburger restaurant that's you know right by the Gulf of Mexico in Corpus Christi. Um, so I, I made a an even bigger um, replica of that building to put in City Skylines as well. Brilliant. I, I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, we you kind of you kind of got a little bit of a plug in there for that. So let's just move right into into those. Like, where if people are interested in these eight bitty games, where can they go and and download them and find them? Um, so there are two places to go. One of them is the actual eight bitty games website, which is eightbittygames.com. Um, and on there, uh, that's mostly where I update everything. Um, if you go to 8bittygames.com, you can see all the games listed. Um, you can click on the screenshots of the game, and you'll be taken to the game-specific page where I have a JavaScript-based uh, Game Boy emulator, so you can actually play the games on your computer or on, online in the web. Nice. Um, all of them except for Blarble 1290, which requires sure. an actual Game Boy printer. But you can play them all online um, in your web browser, uh, or you can go to um, patchworkgames.itch.io, um, and you can see the um, the itch page for 8-Bitty Games. You can download all the ROMs from there. Um, all the ROMs are free to download. Um, I recommend, uh, you know, if you, if you really like the games, you can donate uh, 250 to, to download them. Um, but you can play them in any emulator. Or if you have a uh, flash cartridge, you can put them on there and then play them in a Game Boy. Nice. And then uh, social media, I, I know you've got a Twitter at least. Um, you have, yep. what, what else? We have, or where can uh, I find more information about Patchwork Games? Yep, you can go to uh, Twitter, uh, at Patchwork Games. Um, and then my personal Twitter is at Light Aesthetic. Uh, you know, if you have any um, questions or anything regarding 8 Games, you can just contact me. Um, and I love talking about them. Sounds great. Well, yeah, and I'll make sure to put the uh, Motherboard article uh, down in the show notes if people want to read that. Uh, and then as far as Gamers on the Go is concerned, uh, GamersOnTheGo.com will get you to the page where you can see all the podcasts. And then uh, Twitter is at GOTG Podcast uh, if you want to uh, you know, suggest a game for future or, or just talk to the show about anything. Uh, I, I respond to those fairly quickly. Uh, Patrick, uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, this was a really cool uh, interview. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. And I'll uh, talk to you guys later. Awesome.